Hi, friends. I'm Steve Dickman, president for Outpost Centers International. And uh, we are today bringing you another report about some of the situations that are still happening in Ukraine and surrounding countries due to this crisis that's been created by the conflict. So thank you for watching today. Thank you for your continued prayers and your continued support. God is using you, friends, to help these people who have been impacted and whose lives have been really set upside down through this conflict there in Ukraine. We have with us this morning, Nora and Randall Elloway, and uh, just uh, the Elloways there live in, uh, in California, and um, in their local community, they're involved in mission as well. Tell us a little bit about how you're involved in mission in your local community before we get to what's happening and how you've been helping with the Ukraine crisis. God has blessed us. And in 2013, both my husband and I were convicted after reading um, Spirit of Prophecy in Desire of Ages and also in the Bible regarding helping the poor and the needy. And as a receptionist at the dental office, I always get calls and I tend to not take the patients in because they couldn't afford it because this is a private office and the Holy Spirit was working on us. And we approached our church and then the church was so excited and so supportive. And it's amazing, you know, when we talk about total church involvement, they all got behind it and we started praying and God um, made it possible for us to start a nonprofit organization called Adventist Compassion Care. And the whole concept of this organization is to provide compassion care to our local community on a monthly basis to treat them, to pray with them, to also send them to weekly health classes at our church, which is called the Adventist Compassion Care Sabbath School classes. So it's amazing that now the community knows the Seventh-day Adventist Church is not just about not eating pork, but it's about compassion care and that we love Jesus. Amen. That's a blessing. But now let's talk specifically about what you have been doing in ministering to those halfway around the world suffering from the Ukraine crisis. I know that you've been there. You've been to actually the adjoining country of Romania with the AMAN network and the, the clinic that was done there. Tell us about your experience there and how that has impacted your life. It was such a blessing to go to Romania with my wife and my two younger kids and uh, sharing uh, and, and meeting up with so many other professionals. Uh, we had a, a quite, a, quite an array of, of talented people that came and, but you know, when you, it's always so wonderful to come, to go on mission trips like this uh, because people that are there are asking and pleading for the Holy Spirit to be there. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, uh, it's so great to see the unity and people working together and in one accord. And that doesn't happen very often on, on, on other occasions. So when we were there, uh, I believe the Holy Spirit was poured out. One of the gifts that wasn't available was the gift of tongues. And uh, the Romanians uh, speak Romanian and the Ukrainians speak Ukrainian and we speak English. So uh, that, that sounds, like an, uh, sounds like an interesting mix. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we had our gifts and talents of, of medical and dental and nurses and, and uh 
but we were lacking in, uh, in, in language. So uh, the first patient that came in, I remember, you know, it's, it's unlike another thing, unlike other mission trips, usually we're helping these people that are quite indigent and uh, very poor. And not, it wasn't the case with this. These are refugees that were displaced from their country. And the very first patient I treated was a lawyer in, her, in, in uh, Ukraine. And the second patient was a PhD uh, uh, and so on. And, but they were refugees in a country with leaving with perhaps a suitcase and if they were fortunate, a car. And that's all they had and without work for several months and, uh, and, and in need. And most of these people, unfortunately, were atheists. And uh, uh, they'd sit in a chair and I, as my practice, uh, I, I pray with every single patient. And so if we could scrounge up a translator um, that perhaps was atheist, she would have to translate my prayer or any thoughts that I had personally that I'd wanna to share to, to share God's love with these people. And so as these translators were, were sharing the prayers and God's love uh, and reaching out to them, it was touching everybody in the room. And so a refugee was getting touched, uh, the, uh, the, the translator was getting touched and I was being touched and my children and, and people working. And uh, in in, so we we're all benefiting from, it was a win, 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 instead of just a win-win. <laughs> and uh, so we're just grateful. The one uh, particular experience that I had that I just have to share was a lady named Svetlana. And Svetlana was somebody who was thinking about coming to the clinic. She'd heard about the clinic, but she, she wasn't, she, for some reason, Satan didn't allow her to come there. And so we were going to dinner in the evening and uh, we, because we couldn't get a, a driver's license in Romania, we were, we were reduced to taking the bus everywhere we went. And uh, on the bus, my family was talking and having a good time and laughing as we're headed to dinner. And there was this lady that I noticed just sitting adjacent to me, very quiet and very solemn and looked kind of sad and just looking forward. And uh, I turned over to her and I said, do you speak English? And uh, she, she looked to me and she says, yes, I do. I'm actually an English teacher. And she started to proceed to tell me her story about how she was from Ukraine and she left her husband and her daughter behind and she was extremely depressed and very sad. And she said that our laughter and our talking cheered her up and she was going to say something, but she didn't. And in all this confusion, she missed her bus stop because she's in a strange country. We're in a strange country. And she doesn't speak Romanian and we didn't really speak Romanian and, and she missed her, 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 her bus stop. And so our bus stop was the next bus stop and she got off with us. And right around that moment, um, my daughter told my wife, invite her to dinner. And so my wife told me, invite her to dinner. And I said, yeah, I wasn't so sure about that. But then the Svetlana said, could I join you for dinner? She felt comfortable enough that she asked that. And could I join you? She didn't necessarily want to eat but she she said could she join us and spend more time with us because she really enjoyed the conversation that we had on the bus so we had a wonderful dinner with her and shared God's love with her and uh and she came to the clinic the next day and I worked on her and fixed her teeth and she was so thankful she offered to be a translator wow. <laughs> the, very thing we, the very thing that we needed and so Svetlana was translating prayers and uh and, uh, and the Spirit of God was working. And I, I got a video of her. Uh, we had to leave a couple of days later. 
or the next day, or that was our last day, yeah. the day that she showed up. And, uh, and then apparently she showed up the next day and translated. She felt so comfortable that there's video footage of her singing with the group. And then apparently um, her, she got a call that her husband got drafted and Adler was kind enough to help and take her to uh, her destination. But it's just amazing. Um, the divine appointment, this lady, what are the odds of in this huge city uh, and sit next to her on the bus and then get to mingle with her, desire her good and have an actual meal with her. And then she follows up, comes to the clinic, gets help. So sometimes people come to the clinic and sometimes you have to go out and God sets it up so that they can then be um, brought in that way. Do you have something to say? Yeah, the bottom line is it's amazing how God could use even the refugees to do his work. <laughs> the very thing that we needed was translators and many of these patients stepped in, even though they were atheists, they were willing to do God's work and they didn't even know that mm -hmm. they were working for God, their Amen. creator. And that was an amazing and touching to us as a family. Let, let me just ask one question as we kind of finish up here. It sounds like your life was impacted uh, through this experience as well. What would you say to someone else who is considering going maybe and helping out there, volunteering, helping with this, uh, with this crisis? Uh, what would you say to those people? Well, for me personally, uh, there's, there's no greater joy than, you know, we're, we're born selfish. And when you do these sort of things, it's like little pieces of selfishness getting taken out of you by God's help and your willingness to, to allow him to use you. And the less selfishness that you have, the more happy you are. So it's, a, it's, a, it's another winning situation. If you would like to go on these trips and minister to people, you're getting rid of selfishness. And, and that's the root cause of sin. And what I would say is when the call comes to go help, never hesitate. Because we always used to worry in the past that our bills aren't going to be paid, that we are going to be off for two weeks. So how am I going to pay this and that? But every single time that we've gone on a mission trip, God has provided abundantly and paid all our bills. So all glory and honor to God. And we encourage everybody to get involved, whether you're at home or abroad. Go do what you, you can for God. He has done so much for us. Amen. That's a powerful testimony, powerful statement. Let's get rid of all the selfishness. And let's go help other people. Amen. <laughs> Friends, you've, uh, you've heard it today from some folks, uh, the Elloways, who've been volunteering on the front lines, helping some of the displaced people. If you'd like to join them, contact us. There are many opportunities. We'd like to see you get involved too. I'm going to go to uh, Adventist Help at this point. Kim Busel is with us today. He's uh, in uh, Zambia at this point. And so we're just reaching out, Kim, to find out what's happening with Adventist Help. I know some exciting things are happening, and we want to hear straight from you how that's going and what are some of the opportunities for us to, uh, to help there with Adventist Help. Yeah, hi, Steve. You know, great to hear the reports and great to be with you folks again. Um, yeah, it's quite amazing, you know, that you can be halfway around the world and be so involved and so intertwined with the Ukraine crisis. Um, just uh, this week, Michael John, our doctor, and Marcus Alt, many of you have seen, um, were in Ukraine. They were 40 kilometers from the front lines. I can't tell you the name of the city. Um, it's in this location where Adventist Help will be setting up a mobile field hospital that'll be comprised of four 20-foot containers that turn into clinics, inflatable tents, and um, hopefully, a surgical unit in a container that comes fully equipped to do 
every surgery needed that close to the to the front lines. We've got a volunteer there right now already on site, and her name's Helen from Australia, and she'll be there to receive the the containers that are almost at the border right now and to help get things set up. There's uh, quite a bit of logistics that need to happen. We need to find housing where our volunteers will stay. Um, I sent earlier you and Patty a list of volunteers that Adventist Help is in need of uh, as this work grows. Um, yesterday, we we're on a Zoom meeting and uh, one other person on that meeting was the Deputy Minister of Defense for the whole of Ukraine. Uh, they have heard what Adventist Help is going to do as far as setting up mobile uh, field hospitals. They're very grateful, um, very supportive to, to be as close to the front lines as we are. We, we need for sure the backing of someone like himself. Um, he expressed his gratitude for the work we're going to do. He expressed a need uh, that far exceed what Adventist Help can provide at this time. Uh, the truth is, they need several of these mobile field units. The genius behind them is we can set them up. Hopefully we'll serve between 80 to 100 patients. In six to eight hours, we can take these units down, move them forward or backward according to the need that we'll have. Um, you know, the idea is that it's close enough to the front line to be helpful to bring in the wounded, it's far enough away from the front line to be safe. And really what that translates into, you know, we can only guess, but from where Michael John and Marcus have been, you know, they hear the artillery, they hear the explosions, they know the war is going on. And at this point, there's not another NGO willing to come anywhere remotely close to, to this location. So we know there's a risk, our volunteers know they're the risk, but there's a huge need. There's so many civilians that have no medical care whatsoever. The hospitals have been blown up. Their equipment is in shambles and you know, they're, they're in great need. And once, you know, obviously they want a dozen of these things and, and we're telling them, hey, if the Lord provides, we're happy to do more, but we're gonna set up one, we're gonna operate one, and then we will we'll see what we can do more than that. And so, our needs from a, from a ministry perspective are growing. Um, we need hospital beds, about 80 to 100 of them. When we bring volunteers in there, we need to buy a couple of vehicles and make sure we have fuel on hand because if the front line moves closer to us, we wanna be able to instantly get our volunteers in a vehicle down the road headed to the border. We don't wanna to have to hitchhike a ride, find someone else to give us transportation. Um, we're going to be as committed as we are possibly can be to the safety of our volunteers. Yeah, thank you for sharing. It sounds like there are several needs. We want to highlight those. You have a need for personnel who are willing to go near the, near the front lines and work. But on that list, I noticed there's some other needs as well. People that can work from behind the scenes, helping with the website, helping to coordinate volunteers, and that kind of thing. So friends, if you're interested today in some frontline work, contact Adventist Help through our OCI website. Their link is there. There's a way to contact them, and we will otherwise put you in touch with them. If you're interested more in the backside work, coordinating and helping them organize things and communications and other things that need to happen, 
then contact uh, them as well. They have openings in, in that area uh, in addition to that. Um, the other need, Kim, that I hear is the need to help financially still with getting this mobile surgical clinic in place. And so we're going to be praying about that. I think if I remember right, that's about uh, 40000 or so. That's and correct, $40,000. We're going to be praying that the Lord will work on the hearts of the donors today. And as they see this report, their hearts will be moved uh, to help supply this need in the situation there in Ukraine, a critical need that is near the front lines to help people who are being injured as this conflict continues. So thank you, Kim, for what Adventist Help is doing. We're going to continue to pray for a blessing on you and your team there. Thank you, Steve. I'm going to go to uh, Ostop. Ostop, thank you for joining us today. I know that uh, there's still a lot of things going on with things that are happening there uh, for you and, the, and your connections with the Ukraine. Tell us a little bit about some of those. I know that I received uh, some text messages from you even this past week, I think, with some additional needs that are happening there. Tell us about that and how things are proceeding. Yes, Steve, we've been working on the southwestern side of the country, helping to mobilize a few vehicles that can continue to transport medical supplies. My cousin has been able to travel from Texas to Poland and she took many suitcases and many boxes of medical supplies to the border and is in the process of transferring those medical supplies to the clinic in Chernitsi. And they continue to work and, and to labor and organize all of the equipment and supplies that have been donated. We're still looking for sponsors that could help us with purchasing another vehicle that would help us transport more equipment and transport people as we bring supplies into the hot zones. And then as we're coming back, we can take people out. They're looking to, to leave those areas of, of crisis. And, you know, we're hosting people in churches and, um, there have been other facilities and buildings made into temporary shelters to provide temporary relief. And um, yeah, we're looking for volunteers that want to go and serve. That could be here at home. That could be in Poland. That could be in Ukraine, depending on, you know, each person's availability and opportunity to serve. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Ostop for sharing uh, those needs with us today. Um, what is uh, what would you say is the biggest need? Is it for volunteers or is it for uh, funds for the vehicle? How would you kind of balance those things? I think for us, it would be good to have the vehicle first so that we could start immediately, you know, transporting the supplies that have been shipped over. And then also for those that are willing and able to go and support the effort. All right. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Ostop, God bless the efforts there again of build and restore in uh, that uh, crisis there in Ukraine. And I know that you have a personal connection there and even your relatives, some of your relatives are there physically on the ground. So we continue to pray for them. Um, Alexi, good morning or good day to you. It's good to have you with us again. 
uh, just tell us a little bit about some of our ministries, our OCI ministries on the front lines there that are engaged in working to relieve suffering as uh, this conflict continues and drags out. I know that uh, things continue to be challenging there. Tell us a little bit about some of what's happening there. Steve, thank you. Uh, yes, we have uh, several ministries, OCI ministries in Ukraine. Some of them are located on occupied territories, and some of them are further in the, in the western Ukraine. Uh, Bob Top Health Food Ministry is located in the Zaporizhia area, and it's a part of Zaporizhia that has been occupied. And they, they have been producing and distributing food uh, to people who need food, mostly elderly and um, other people who need. They have a network of volunteers who help to identify people in different places. They even cannot travel to all the villages and towns in that area because of the scrutiny and block paths uh, located everywhere there. But they have this opportunity to serve people. And also, uh, surprisingly, they are able to do even evangelistic programs with these people. You know, when, when they serve them and uh, they meet their needs and they make friends and then they organize uh, Bible courses for them. Vehidia is another ministry located in Poltava area. Uh, they uh, have been providing psychological help. In the past, they were helping to uh, transport people, to evacuate people from Kharkiv uh, and Chernigiv uh, to Poltava and then uh, to western part of Ukraine. But now they are mainly focused on providing psychological help offline and online because you know there are 10 million displaced people and a lot of them have uh, issues mental issues and they are helping them to adjust in to new life and our home health center uh, is still hosting uh, about 80 refugees uh, but uh, they've started thinking about establishing a rehabilitation program and We've been discussing it with uh, Adventist Health, Marcus, and uh, with other people. And uh, right now, uh, we need some medical volunteers to help us in these lines. Physical rehabilitation, injuries, and you know, other kinds of trauma uh, related to war. This is what we would like to do for our, at our home and possibly in other uh, Adventist health centers uh, in Ukraine who used to practice lifestyle medicine, but due to this war, you know, not many people are interested in lifestyle medicine, but there is a need in physical and mental rehabilitation. So uh, this is further uh, west uh, in Ukraine. This is not front lines. It's a peaceful area. And so either those who would like to vol volunteer their expertise in these areas, uh, we would welcome them. Of course, you know, it's terrific that your family can visit those towns and villages. Yes, that is really so. Praise the Lord that we can still do this. Tanya, uh, may I ask you something? Uh, could you tell me how many people are really in need of food in the villages that you've been visiting? In our own village, we have about 30 people for sure. 
I've been serving them personally. In the nearby village of Skelki, they are 40, in Shevchanki, 80. They have nothing there. Those people can't even get their retirement money. In Vasilivka, they are 120 people. 120 people in Vasilivka, yes. And I can't speak for Podgorna. One lady has been helping me, but she didn't stop here today, so I don't know. Have they, have they been getting humanitarian aid these days there? No, those have not been getting anything. We came there first. Well, Russians brought some sort of humanitarian aid, but many people refused to take it. They are rejecting it by principle because it came from Russia. They are waiting for us and also for Ukrainian humanitarian aid. We're also buying cereals to help them. Well, thanks God, we get money from time to time and we're able to buy food with it and with our own money sometimes, cereals and other things. When you bring food to those people, what is their reaction? What do they say? You know what they say? You don't let us die of starvation. I want to cry. They say, you will never let us die of starvation, Tanya. Can you imagine? I tell them, why are you saying that? One of them said, Tanyusha, you won't believe it, I have nothing to eat today. I just have what you brought us, and I gave them two sacks of food. Maybe you should take more to give them. Well, my car doesn't allow us to get more, and for you to go there is a big problem. They would check you at every block post. They check our passport and allow us in quickly because we are locals. They just give us green light everywhere. But if you were to go, you'd spend lots of time in lines and they'll be checking you in and out. Your food will get spoiled. Well, we, we are praying and asking the Lord to give us a bigger vehicle. My son said that you would have a bigger car next year for sure. Well, or at least a trailer that you could hook up. Yes, it would be good, but still would be good to have a van. So, friends, just a humongous gratitude to all who support this region. They can't express their gratitude to you personally, but what's happening here today is a great, great blessing. People are grateful and we build relationships and people are attending spiritual programs, we become friends, we study the Bible. We have about 40 people attending our meetings now. Here, uh, we're going to have um, our meeting pretty soon. So thank you for your prayers, for your support. Big thanks to all who can hear us. Thank you, Alexei, for sharing with us that need. So, friends, if you are a physical therapist who knows about rehabilitation or you are possibly involved in helping people, even psychologically, that have been in a traumatic life situation, you're needed to help give some guidance to these uh, lifestyle centers that are now becoming more rehabilitative in nature. So we're inviting you to contact 
Uh, we can put you in direct contact with Alexi through our website, our Outpost Centers International website. You can go there, you can volunteer, you can be a part, even from far away, you can be a part of helping people there by giving them uh, encouragement and training and resources that are needed. Friends, today, again, we are reporting on what's happening currently on the front lines due to this crisis and this conflict in the Ukraine. Be, uh, be on, in prayer, friends, for all of those who are involved. We pray for their safety. We pray for their strength. We pray for their encouragement. And we invite you to continue to consider how God would lead you to be generous. The needs are many. They are insurmountable for any single one of us. But together, we can do something to help these people during their time of need. Friends, continue to share this, uh, these reports with your friends and your family and uh, be generous and continue to pray. May God bless you. May God bless all those who are involved in relieving suffering there in Ukraine. And may this experience bring a special blessing to those who are involved and continue to support the work there in Ukraine. Thank you and God bless you.